Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is the truth of the matter is, where we believe that you should never say sorry for being honest. Because when you do so, you're apologizing for being truthful, when all we need is liberation. This is episode number 36. Now before we begin, we would like to welcome all of our new and consistent listeners. As usual, we would like to say thank you for tuning in and we appreciate your loyalty, dedication, and we just like that you're here. Thank you for listening to us. Now, if you don't mind, we will also like to ask you a favor. Please tell a friend or family member, even an acquaintance about our podcast if you like. We hope that's not too much to ask. And... One last favor as well. Please leave a comment and rating as well, as we will really appreciate your contribution to getting the word out about us. The person asking you all these favors is your host, Daniel. And the usual man at the other side of the mic is Jonathan. Jonathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. You know what? We're actually in the second month of the new year, man. When I sit back and think about it, I haven't really noticed it, honestly. I suppose when you are so occupied with work and your personal responsibilities, you tend to lose touch with a sense of reality a little bit. And, you know, what's going on is time flies because you're so focused, you're so dialed in on what you have to do. Now, what I do know is winter has come, right? It's made its presence. It definitely has arrived, right? We also have to recognize that. We're in the month of February, which is the shortest month of the year. By the way, it's Black History Month, it's Valentine's Day, and it's Chinese New Year. But for the celebration of Black History Month, we actually want to try something. And as I thought about it, I said, well, why not give it a try? And it honestly brought me back to my middle school years, and I remembered a teacher by the name of Miss James. And she told us that we had to complete a three to four month report on a black individual, man or woman, an African-American or African, who has helped change and shape our society in this country of the United States of America. Now, here's the catch, though. She told us not to select any popular names such as Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, Langston Hughes, Jackie Robinson, Muhammad Ali, Harriet Tubman. Damn, am I missing anybody popular? I can't think of any more. What do you think? No, that seems about that. That covers it. Okay. Now I thought. It. Now I honestly thought that was a good idea because that required us to do much more research, right? We couldn't do the bare minimum, but the idea was to learn more about the black individuals who don't honestly get mentioned often, right? And have made a difference historically. I also felt like it was necessary for the young minds of our future to expand their insight beyond the popular household names within the black community yes i was thinking like this at that age so i also wanted to take out the time this month and mention someone i don't think many have an idea about and provide some information about them so the truth of the matter is podcast will do this once a week for the month of february and it will be something new okay each 
time. We're going to do someone new each time. Now, I will mention a person that I did the report on in middle school. I actually remember who they were, right? And the name of that person is, John roll please, Edward Mitchell Bannister. Edward Mitchell Bannister. Now, Edward, Edward Mitchell Bannister was determined to become a successful artist and was largely fueled by an inflammatory article he read in the New York Hetero in 1867 that stated the Negroes seemed to have an appreciation for art while being manifestly unable to produce it. Ironically, less than a decade later in 1876, Bannister was the first African-American artist to receive a national award. In 1848, Bannister moved to Boston, where he held a variety of jobs before he became a barber and eventually learned to paint. He lost both his parents, and when he was young and moved to Boston, that's where he took sculpture classes and learned photographing. Bannister faced an uphill battle to become a professional artist in spite of his limited training and experience. Bannister was among Providence leaders, painters during the 1870s and 1880s. He was well liked and respected by his fellow citizens. Many of Bannister's landscapes are small and have darkened considerably with age. His paintings contain no social or racial overtones, and the small figures seen frequently in his landscapes appear to be white. Although the major of Bannister's paintings are landscapes, he also painted figures, studies, religious scenes, seascapes, still lives, and general subjects. On January 9th, 1901, Bannister died while attending a, pr a prayer meeting at his church. Shortly after his death, the Providence Arts Club mounted a memorial exhibit of 101 of Bannister's paintings owned by Providence collectors. This pure and lofty soul who, while he portrayed nature, walked with God, Edward Bannister was the only major African American artist of the late teen of the late 19th century who developed his talents without the benefit of European exposure. So Daniel, any thoughts about this guy, this young man? Well, a person to learn photography back in that time is being able to sculpt and paint and doing it without European influence. Yep. Yeah. Sounds like a hell of a guy. Yeah, man. Very talented. You know, sounds like a hard worker too. And then considering the amount of adversity you have to overcome of losing both of your parents at a young age and then going to a whole city that you don't know anything about. Sounds like the man had a very tough life but found the ability to persevere and showed a lot of fortitude and seemed like a it sounds like a man whose faith was strong that, you know, allowed him to keep moving forward when things were tough. So yeah, so that's Edward Bannister, folks. Edward Mitchell Bannister. Okay, now this is something you should look forward to every week in the month of February. So let's have some prayer before we get into the conversation for today.
Oh God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we appreciate opportunities such as this where we can continue to have talks about your word. I don't know about others, but I personally feel like every time I open up your word, I grow closer and closer to you. When I open up your word, I feel like I am in your very presence and I enjoy every ounce of it. The relationship I have with you is so personal because I make time to read your word and it makes such a difference for me. Lord, please allow others to experience what I have with you but in their own unique way. Open up the eyes, open up the minds and up to, for them to understand all about you. Lord, we also hope to open up minds and eyes to understand all who listen to this podcast as well. Lord, I pray that we all leave this conversation impacted and changed. So Lord, please have your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Now, before we introduce the text that we have today, that we plan to talk about today, I first want to introduce a game changer that helped me understand the Gospels much better. Right? We have been in the book of Luke for a while, and prior to that, we were in the book of 1 John. So, for those who are first tuning in or some who have started listening, I felt it was needed to tell you this. The Truth of the Matter is podcast is a personal journey. It's a personal incentive. It provides a personal perspective with the inclusion of history, philosophy, theology, and a biblical humanistic view. Everyone who wants to learn about God was once told that they had to read their Bible, and yet there are many outlets and access to which many of us can't really have the opportunity to talk and listen and provide information about what their struggles are, their experiences are reading the Bible. This is the reason why we created this podcast. Because we wanted to provide a frame by frame, a verse by verse, a chapter by chapter view of how you could apply some of these things or how you can view the world, right? I also understand that the Bible isn't always so straightforward either. Right. It must be unpacked. That's the reason why you have teachers, you have preachers, you have evangelists. But it's still not. Coming from a personal perspective. Right. Some places make you feel like you're far. Right. That you only get to hear them in a sanctuary or in a Bible class. But outside of that, there's no relation. Now, if you've been following along. This is what the Truth of the Matter is podcast has done. We have provided you a perspective of how you can view those texts, each text, episode by episode, and the potential conversation that can be sparked and created in today's society. Also, I've also allowed, I've left my email in the description of what the podcast is, just in case if you had any questions or you want to have dialogue or you want to just talk in general. This is what we're here for. We want to create a personal space and opportunity so you can reach me. Not every platform out there gives you the opportunity to converse. And there are some that give you an opportunity to a patriarch context. But again, that's not personal. So if you have any questions or you want to talk about God's word, want to have dialogue of any kind, please reach out. Now, here's my game changer in regards to the Gospels. Every time you hear Jesus speak in the scripture, understand that you're hearing God. 
You got that? Let me say that again. Every time you encounter Jesus in the scripture, you're encountering God. Now, why would I say that? Well, let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 in the English Standard Version, and I'll read that. He says, he, and I'm going to explain that, which is Jesus. Jesus is the he, the writer in Hebrews is talking about. Now, I know some speculate that it was Paul who wrote Hebrews, but not many know who actually wrote it. But it says he, which is Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Daniel, can you read the Amplified Versions of Hebrew chapter 1, verse 3? The sun is the radiance and only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Senekai glory, the light being, the bright light of the divine, and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence, and upholding and maintaining and propelling all things, their entire physical and spiritual universe. By his powerful word, carrying the universe along to the predetermined goal. Now, I know that's a lot to consider, but you can always go and check the improvised version and break it down. Unfortunately, we don't have too much time to do that, so we're going to move along. So the word of God declares that Jesus Christ is God, according to the scriptures. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. We're going to look at this in the English Standard Version. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now let's take a look at that in the Amplified Version. He is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign God, and the originator of all creation. Now, how about we take it a step further? Let's look at this text in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 18, and we will read it in the NLT, which is the New Living Translation, the NIV, which is the New International Version, and the Amplified Version. And let's get started. NLT. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. The NIV Version says, No one has ever seen God, but the only one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Amplified. No one has seen God, his essence, his divine nature, at any time. The one and only begotten God, that is, the unique Son, who is the intimate presence of the Father. He has explained him and interpreted and revealed the awesome wonder of the Father. One more other quick thing I think may be helpful. There is one God. We all believe that. We all know that. And yet there are three distinct persons. Right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now to be clear, they all are one and they all are not the same. So the Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Son. The Holy Spirit isn't the Son. The Son 
isn't the Holy Spirit, and yet they all are one. Jesus is God, but so is the Father, and so is the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand this may be very complex, but if you go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, we believe in something on which it explains that God is the only one of his kind, right? He is the only one of his kind. So we believe in the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is broken down by try and unity. This is where we get the word Trinity. Okay. Now, I understand one thing, right? And this always has become a question. Why can't we find the Trinity in the Bible? The reality is, is that the concept of his teachings is in the Bible. This is how we come together and we create words to explain the concepts of things. And the reason why I would say that is, well, why is omniscient, which is all-knowing, omnipresent, which is all-powerful, and omnibenevolent, which is supremely good, why are those words not in the Bible? But yet, we say that God is all those things, right? So that's just to explain the concept and why, even though the word may not be in there, the Bible teaches it. And because the Bible teaches it, that's how we can go and create a word to explain the concept that's being transpired, that's transpiring in the Bible. Now let's look at one more text in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 8 to 11, before we get, for the, get into the text for today. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me? Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So again, if we break down the Trinity, we can obviously realize that it's three distinct persons. The Holy Spirit throughout the Bible explains that he is a person. The Son obviously is a person, and the Father is obviously the person. But they're all God. That's how you get God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, at some point, we will go through this in more depth where I can show you even more verses to support this claim. But for now, now that we understand every time that we see Jesus, we see God at work, now we can read the text for today. And that's going to be Luke chapter 13, verse 10 through 17. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman who was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. 
indigenous because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. So, episode 36 is titled, God's Compassion for Humanity. Based upon this text, I will explain why I titled it. I remember, moving forward, every time you see Jesus, you ought to see God at work. So, earlier I mentioned three different translations then. The New Living Translation, the New International Version, and the Amplified. Today, we are going to look at two additional ones. Everyone knows the King James Version. And we're going to look at something else called the NASB, which is the New American Standard Bible. Now, the New American Standard Bible holds the title of one of the most accurate translations due to its strict adherence to literal word-for-word translation methods. It was originally published in 1963 and was revised in 1995. For this specific text, it's important that we look at different translations because I want you to see the potential and yet the possibility of what the text could be saying. And I want people to think and reconsider for themselves. Now, I have used the NIV as a base. So let's begin by looking at Luke chapter 10. Well, Luke chapter 13, verse 10 to 11. We're going to look at the King James Version first. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And there was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit. And she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. We will look at the term spirit of infirmity in just a little bit. Let's look at the N-A-S-B-A, which again, for those that are looking to understand, it's Basically, the New American Standard Bible. Okay. So the verse I just read before was actually the NSB version. So I'll read that again. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And there was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit. And she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. The King James Version said, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bound together and could in no wise lift up herself. Okay. Now, a sickness sickness caused by spirit, right? That's an interesting view. Okay. Let's, we've already read the NIV in the beginning, but would you read it again, please, Sam? On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman who was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. 
She was bent over and cannot straighten up at all. Okay, crippled because of a spirit. Okay, now let's look at the English Standard Version. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. Okay, so we get disabling spirit here. Okay, let's adjust this text by first saying this. Some theologians have claimed that sickness is caused by demons. Yes, some believe that. They claim that there is a demon for every disease, such as common cold. It's a demon for that. Cancer. No, there's a demon for that. AIDS. It's a demon for that as well. Some believe it doesn't. Now, I'm on the side that it doesn't. And I believe that this portion of the text is, well, actually very important and different. And it falls much more in line with the context and explaining the title of why I named God's, you know, I talked about how God has compassion over humanity. And I'm going to explain that a little bit more. When we look at the word infirmity in the Greek, it means astania. And that generally means weakness, illness, and alignments. Which means we can conclude that the lack of strength and the opposite of power or weakness are quite a few different ways that it can be interpreted. Now, there's a wide range of meanings here, right? We're being fair about that. And yet, the major point I want to show you is that when we look at the New American Standard Bible, I believe that's the correct translation according to the Greek, right? And I think the reality is, is that sickness was caused by the Spirit. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, right? And we've addressed one of the more popular views of the text. Let's look at the text a little bit more. Remember, again, every time we see Jesus, we see God. Now listen to what happens. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. We see that Jesus heals the lady, but more importantly, he sets her free. Let's look at two texts that shed light on this miracle. Let's look at Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 6, and we're going to look at, again, the NASB. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the exhausted and make the feeble strong. Say to those with anxious hearts, Take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The retribution of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of those who are blind will be opened, and the ears of those who are deaf will be unstopped. As an aside, right? Note, God does this through the person, Jesus Christ. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. Again, we're going to look at the New American Standard Bible. This happened so that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet will be fulfilled. He himself took our illness and carried away our diseases. So, what did he just do? He took the apparent sickness or illness or disease from the woman and he removed it. Jesus made it clear. He said, I did not come to ab abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. 
he also fulfilled the very prophecy that Isaiah stated. Now let's dig even much even more deeper, right? Much deeper than let's look at the Gospel of John, chapter eight. We're gonna read verses thirty-four to thirty-six. Jesus says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, everyone who practices sin habitually is a slave of sin. Now the slave does not remain in the household forever. The son of the master does not does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, then you are unquestionably free. So what do we see here? Jesus sets the woman free. Right. Jesus is coming to set us all free for dying for our iniquities. Right. So as you see, it's a beautiful thing, right, that every single time you read a portion of scripture. Jesus is fulfilling it and is stated in another portion of text. You see the comparison of how the New Testament, the Old Testament, the Gospels and et cetera, et cetera. They help create the overall perspective of the Bible. It's just that it's all scattered. You have to kind of look for it. Okay, let me bring it home for everyone. Right? I know this is a lot. We've been looking at different translations. We're comparing the translations. We're looking up words. We're going to go search it in the Greek. But this is what I want everyone to follow. Right? And this happens a lot when you're unpacking a lot. Right? This podcast episode is titled God's Compassion for Humanity. And the reason why I titled it that is because God came in the person of Jesus Christ and started to address some of the issues. Right. What are some of the things that we didn't get into, but yet occurred? Right. His mother, Mary, asked him for help at a wedding. He provided more wine. It was none of his business. But guess what? He had compassion. When he was preaching. And the 5,000 and the 4,000 were following him all day and heard his words. He had what? Compassion. So what did he do? He fed them all. Right? Do you see the pattern yet? Because you see, people like to say, God is an evil God. He's a God who looks to destroy, conquer. But when we see this narrative, where God, through Jesus Christ, starts solving and addressing issues, hanging out with people, you see that God has compassion and cares and is doing this all in the flesh. That's a portion of the text in the book of Exodus where people got tired of hearing from Moses and want to hear from God. And guess what happened? They go to the top of the mountain and all they hear is thunder. And many of them were in fear. They were scared. So it's not possible that is it not possible? That coming through a man who they could easily speak with and interact with would be much more of a reasonable thing to do. We learned that no one has ever seen God and lived again in the book of Moses. Another story. So, God the Son seems to be much more reasonable and much more understanding. And much more easily able to communicate with. In fact, in the Gospels, right? We learn in the Gospel of John chapter 6 verse 46. That not anyone has seen the Father. Only I 
in the eyes of Jesus here, who has sent from God has seen him, right? And finally, look at the main text for today. Jesus noticed that the woman had a sickness caused by spirit, and boom, he addresses that. And of course, rather than then the you know the religious leaders and the Pharisees be happy for the women. You had people back then that only cared about their tradition. In fact, I encourage people to check out episode twenty, the flexibility of established practices, where we kind of touch on some of the things that Jesus spoke with them about, right? And it comes out of Luke. We see Jesus tell them also in the book of Matthew, chapter nine verse 12 to 13 in the English Standard Version that those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick go and learn what this means I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I came not to call the righteous but sinners again this is very well explained that when Jesus came he came to address those who were in need that explains why he dealt with the woman who have been cur- who has who was cursed by a demon for 18 years right jesus set her free jesus dealt with that issue right so all in context all in harmony that is one of the things that i want people to see and to read and to understand right that's what i want people to see and to read and to understand now, one other thing, because of Jesus, we have ultimate access to God in personal prayer, in times of news, whenever, wherever, not just a church building. We are the church in regards to prayer. Check out episode 19, Praying Through a Biblical Lens. You realize the importance of prayer. You realize the importance of access. You realize that it doesn't matter where you are. You can have conversation with God. I say this because look at what was said after Jesus delivered the woman. There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. So interesting enough, I've been reading First and Second Kings with a friend, Boca, one of my friends of mine. And we've been reading it in the in the month of December into January, right? We do Bible study on Mondays, and it has been a great experience, right? And if it not have been for studying God's word intently, I want to be able to make this connection right now, at this moment. I would not be able to see the change according to their tradition. And when Jesus came, it didn't matter because. He's never late, right? But he's right on time. That's usually the phrase people have about God's timing. So let's go to Second Kings chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 17 through 37. Now, there's a portion that I want you to pay close attention to because it is very relatable to Luke chapter 13, verse 10 through 17. And instantly, when you hear it, then you read it, you'll be able to identify what was stated then and how the same thing is stated here. So, 
then you'll take it away. The woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that time, she gave birth to a son, just as Alicia had told her. The child grew, and one day he went up to his father, who was with the reapers. He said this to his father. My head, my head. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and the donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly in return. Why go to him today? He asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and sent to her servant. Lead on. Don't slow down for me until, unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God out of Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to the servant, Gaziah, Look, there's the Shemanite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gaziah came over to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She is in better distress. But the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for his son, my Lord? She said. Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? Alicia said to Gazias, Tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gaziah went on and ahead laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gaziah went back to meet Elisha and told him, The boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy laying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and laid on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, as he stretched himself out on him. The boy's body grew warm. Alicia turned away and walked back and forth in the room, and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Alicia summoned Gaziah and said, Call the Shemanite. And he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. So the reason why we read this text is because traditionally, right, they would wait for the new moon or the Sabbath to ask God for a miracle. That was the law. That was their rules. However, Jesus enters their space. The New Testament 
when he was dealing with the woman who had a sickness, who had a demon that had a sickness in her. And guess what happens? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter the Sabbath. Doesn't matter if it's the new moon. Right? He's capable of fixing your issue instantly. Some things require a process, like what you see here in Alicia, right? In regards to waking up the boy. In other instances, it can happen right away. We understand that God is a God of compassion, of process. He's righteous. He's just in all his ways. I know we covered a lot, right? Might have to revisit this episode again, but I hope you have learned something today. What I hope you realize is that every time now when you look at the Gospels and you see Jesus moving, know that that's God operating and moving among his people. That he put on flesh so he can be able to empathize and understand and realize what his own creation is. Even in the beginning, it talks about that. Not in the beginning, but we learn in the Gospel of John that he set aside some of his glory so that he can fully take on the human aspect of being able to converse with us, being able to hang out with us, being able to talk with us. So I encourage you to understand that God has much compassion for his own creation, so much so that he entered creation in order to save it. All right. So, that's what I hope you got out today. That God has compassion for humanity. And he shows us that by coming in. And we see a lot of the different miracles that Jesus performs. Now, let's get into devotional time. As the creator of the universe, the fact that Jesus is the creator of all things is taught in John, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 3, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, and other scriptures. You are part of his creation. Sometimes you have a hard time feeling a sense of self-worth. This isn't something you strive to attain. Instead, it's something God has breathed into you from the very beginning. And as the sustainer of the universe, you are sustained, not by your own strength, but by Jesus Christ. You experience the strengthening as you read the Bible, meditate on it, pray, and worship him. Read devotions, spend time with other Christians, love your neighbors, and share your faith with them. We can never honor Jesus Christ too much, and let us consider the two ways that was just mentioned. As the creator of the universe, and as the sustainer of the universe, it is taught in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, um, chapter 1, verse 2 through 3, and this is out of the NIV version, that in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So, as the creator of the universe, and as the sustainer of the universe, it's your job to represent God as best as possible, and to represent yourself through his holy way. I will also pray us out for today. Lord Jesus, I praise you as the creator of all universes, the physical realms I can see and the endless invisible realms. 
I praise you for sustaining all, even my own life. In Jesus' name we pray. In your holy name we say, Amen. Amen.